Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. The Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast is now supported by the Urban Land Institute. To find out more about becoming a member, please follow the link in the show notes, remembering to quote the promo code ACRE to take advantage of all the benefits of our partnership. More details at the end of this podcast. This evening, I sat with Tom Goodall, partner and head of the residential for Argent Related, with a pipeline of 8,000 homes across developments at King's Cross, Tottenham Hale and Brent's Cross Town. Tom's a chartered architect, spent his earliest career in practice, transitioning to project management and then joining Argent in 2012. So Tom, thank you very much for joining me. You're welcome. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Let's get started. Let's kick it off with the uh, with what happens in Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Okay, well, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? You asked me to sort of think about this in advance about where, where your career started and it's been it's been quite enjoyable looking back at some of the serendipity of life in a way and I, I guess the, the start of my my career was I, w- I was very interested in in maths and art at school and I rather strangely perhaps was was obsessed by adverts as a kid and I used to love sitting through the advert breaks before the days where you could uh, fast forward tv and I decided I wanted to try and have a go into advertising and so I did some work experience and through a friend's parent I believe they worked at Saatchi and Saatchi and I did a week week there and I, I sat next to this this uh, employee at Saatchi and Saatchi he's a very nice guy couldn't for life he'd tell you what his name was um, and at the end of the week I said oh this you know this is really this is really great how how do I get into this and he said oh well there there isn't really a des- uh, degree in architect in advertising of course that isn't the case today he said so but just do something creative like architecture um, and you know that one throwaway comment. I guess thinking back on it, was the the, the chapter one of the start of, of my career. Um, well, after such sage advice, then for we, um, uh, for starting off in uh, in architecture, tell us how how that sort of panned out for you. Uh, so I, I duly followed the stranger's advice, and I, have, I, I I went to the University of Sheffield to read uh, architecture. I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed the course. You know, obviously enjoyed university life and. And, and so progressed through through to the next chapter and, and did my my year out studies at, at Wilkinson Air Architects. Um, and I think it's quite interesting at that point, you know, I think if you'd have most people on the course at that point, I suspect if you'd have asked them, you know, what's your career going to be, they would have told you the next five year plan of, of going, becoming a chartered architect. And, you know, strangely, I, I've never really been like that. I've never looked more than a year or so ahead still don't and to some extent and I think that you know, I, was, I was enjoying the moment I was enjoying the process um, enjoying the journey and, and I think in some ways that's held me in, in 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 good stead as life throws the unexpected at you I came out of the master's degree um, in 2007 I think probably sent off four or five CVs had four or five interviews and four or five job offers within a few months I was made redundant sent out about I think over 75 CVs from memory uh, had one interview and was lucky enough to to get that job uh, and you know I think suddenly that that the the if long-term plan if I'd had one had, would have been thrown into turmoil but uh, you know in, in, a, in a strange way it was easier to take the positives out of a, a short-term horizon at that point. So think thinking about then the those earliest days then of sort of the architectural sort of practice what did you most enjoy about that chapter? 
I've always been someone who's said that they've loved their job. I've been very lucky in that respect, and I, you know, I've meant that. Um, there's been very few moments in my life where I haven't enjoyed what, what I'm doing. But I think you, you realise that you, looking back, that you're enjoying different parts of it. I enjoyed having a job, being an employee, being a part of a team. That's what I enjoyed out of it. What did I learn out of it? I think I, I learned a lot about people management. I, I think I learned a lot about how how not to manage people in, in a sense. I, I had a boss at the time I didn't get on particularly well with. And I I kind of found myself going from you know, a fairly high-performing background where I'd been consistently you know, near, the, near the top of most things I'd done previously to not being the best by by some you know not not feeling motivated not lacking in self-confidence lacking in in self-belief you know and as as we probably talk about the next stages from that 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 was fairly unfamiliar for 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 me and uh, you know I think I I think back on that time a lot about how how best how to get the best out of everyone including yourself okay the the topic of this sort of series is about building blocks and I talk an awful lot about about the waves within these careers and chapters about sort of accelerating so Inevitably, everyone accelerates when they get, you know, when they leave university because they're dropped in the deep end. You know, I think if I'm reading between the lines here, you know, I'm sensing then sort of a a period whereby sort of the people within these these businesses are, are having a bit of a detrimental effect then to that acceleration. So, tell us then what you know what happens after this. What what do you do in order to give you a catalyst then to give you a new platform for growth? Yeah, so I I, I mean I'm not, I'm not I won't be alone in someone who found the financial crisis and. 2008 you know nine a very tough time there was margins were tight salaries were tight you know working people working long hours and, and job security wasn't there but I think I kind of it was certainly you know it was noticing that change in myself that I was I wasn't feeling like I was I was being able to perform to my best for the business that kind of I guess eventually pushed me to to make the next step and I I just I'd, I'd been very curious and I, you know I'd kind of increasingly realized I wasn't going to be the best architect and I, I became increasingly curious about the the briefing process that came from from the, our clients um, and you know the, the the decisions that were informing those those briefs and um, so I made a decision that I'd quite I'd like to explore moving into into the client side I had several good conversations with contacts but all of them ended very similarly where I effectively told that to make the step from architecture to the client to client side, it's you know, and, and effectively a kind of graduate was not something, just not a position that they they had within these businesses. And you know, there were FTSE 100 businesses that had no graduate schemes, and that's very much the same today because it's a very much a, a an outsourcing culture. Um, and again, another throwaway comment when you when you think back on it, so some someone said to me, well, you know, perhaps try try project management for a bit, and then see you know see see where that takes you reflecting it's kind of scary how trusting I was of these individuals that I hadn't barely met but I um you know I decided to explore that and I was on those days I was only I was on four weeks notice I believe so I kind of had an interview I remember very clearly having to to go out to buy a suit the day before the interview because I was an architect that was not something that I had in the wardrobe and uh went to the interview I was offered the job accepted the job a few weeks later, I was about to start, and the weekend before, I again remember clearly walking into Waterstones and buying a book on project management because I kind of didn't know what this this job that I was just accepted what you know what it really entailed. Um, and uh, and, and you know, so that was kind of the next step. And it sounds it sounds strange talking back in it, but that's you know, that's how it happened. And it, it wasn't necessarily a confidence, and certainly not an arrogance that I could do a good job. It was just a, a belief that that actually, if I 
put my mind to it, I could be valuable for the business and that I understood enough about the process and that I could be, I could be a quick learner. And I came in as an assistant project manager, you know, because I actually, in the interview said, look, I'd prefer to come in at a lower level and, and, and be rewarded for being good rather than coming in too high and failing. Um, and I, th- I think I was promoted to project manager within about three months, but, but, you know, I think it was good to, to, to start lower, um, particularly when you're needing to buy a book on how to do the job the day before you start. So. Hmm. Well, it's obviously a good book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, ten, then tell us a bit more about the transition then, because you know, I think it's important you know, to, to appreciate then you spent sort of five or six years then in, within, within architecture, you know, with that goal then of becoming chartered. How long after becoming sort of chartered did you, did you make that move out of interest? So I was a chartered architect for six weeks. Uh, and of course, you know, as I said, there was a four week notice period. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I, 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 I had actually set my, you know, I didn't want to leave before. I'd obviously in my mind decided I wanted to move on and try something new. And those conversations were going on for a few months, but, you know, very much I wanted to complete that chapter of, of my life and become a chartered architect. It's something that at that point I've been working on for eight years. It felt like the right thing to do. And, you know, I actually did, I did very well in the final exams. I was sort of, um, I won the award for the, the, the best in the, in the year for, uh, for the for the exams, and I don't say that to to gloat. I say that to actually, you know, some people I guess might at that point might have thought, well, maybe maybe I'm maybe I could be quite good at this. But you know, actually, that whole chartership examination is much more about the legal aspect of the job, and uh, rather than the creative flair that one would normally associate with architects. So I think it it kind of certainly pointed to me moving in the right direction at that point. Once you become then the project manager, and it's and it's sweets we're talking about. No, how do you, how do you spend those that period then with sweets? What were you up to? I mean, I remember my first day vividly. Uh, I sort of left a you know very cool architects office where everyone wore trainers, and and I turned up in a suit, in the new suit there, and I was sort of you know a very traditional office with padded dividers between desks, and sort of sat down and thought to myself, God, what have I, what what on earth have I done here? And you know very quickly, I I I sort of got stuck in, and I. And we were asked to to pitch to Shangri-La Hotels, who were doing the fit out of the Shard. And as it happens, I happen to have quite a lot of experience on one of the particular project management softwares that they 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 were proposing to use from my days at the Athletes Village. And you know that that so I went to the pitch with with our director, and we we won it. And the, their condition of, of winning was that I was seconded over to them. And you know, um, and I guess things moved quite quickly from then. I suddenly spent the next two and a half years uh, working over at the shard i had a, a great boss i was really enjoying the, pro- the the project and high profile nature of it and um it started to feel like i was uh, you know i could do great things again and feel like i was well supported and um you know that was a in some ways a sort of stabilizing moment in my career and whilst i was still learning an awful lot okay it set out then to be a a transitional step for you yes it absolutely, had been, yeah. it had been the you know the the stage that was going to get you to the developer how long after sort of or when did that opportunity first present itself so i'd probably been at i'd probably been there about at suites about two and a half years as i said i was you know very i was very much enjoying the project i was like my boss uh, hugely and gave me a huge amount of responsibility and learning and i was very committed and loyal to that process and i was very i wasn't you know the get regular calls and i, I was very much batting and not taking any of those calls and I actually got a call from a recruitment agent who, rather than offering me an interview, wanted me to come in and do some psychometric testing. And um, this just kind of piqued my 
curiosity, I thought. So they wouldn't tell me what the name of the business was. And I thought, well, what kind of, you know, they told me it was a developer, but what kind of business starts the process like this? So I went along and the, the, the sort of curiosity led me along that journey because I, I think I had to have three different interviews slash testing process with, with, the, with the recruitment agent before I kind of got in front of Argent. And I guess it was really that sort of curiosity that, that kept me on that journey. And I and still, at that point, was very much not planning to make the move at this at this time I wanted to see see the completion of, of that project at the shard uh, and then i had the first interview and it, you know it was funny i two of the two of the partners interviewed me and they were both it was a very hot day and they were both wearing shorts and t-shirts and i remember sort of thinking to myself oh i've kind of just got into the the corporate world which at that point i sort of naively associated with a suit and i'm not sure this is for me and i, I think it's 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 an interesting lesson in terms of first appearances and and how you how you judge judge opportunities and I actually took myself up to King's Cross and at that point King's nothing was open there was nothing there Granary Square was just finishing the, the fountains weren't there but they were just sort of laying the final paving and I kind of walked into that space and looked through the hoarding and it just struck this real affinity with me you know, that, that this was something I wanted to be part of and um, and I think it's an interesting to look back on it because you know we talk a, a lot in in the in the business about ultimately we're judged by our outputs we're judged by the product we create and the city the city the places we allow people to experience and create for people to experience and so it, it really struck according to me at that moment and, and that was certainly the thing that, that that pushed me over the line to say you know this is the opportunity i want to explore and something i want to be part of so for a quick sort of timestamp, this is sort of 2012 and as you, as you mentioned then sort of the very sort of earlier stages of, of king's cross starting to be brought back to life what was your impact? What were you doing in those very earliest days? So I, I first joined. I was assistant development manager, um, brought in to work on some of the residential projects. I had residential experience from my, my time working on the Athletes Village at, at Stratford, obviously the, the kind of hotel. And I was working on the, the Plimsoll building, and it, it's a great building. It has and it has the, the King's Cross Academy beneath it. Um, and I, I very quickly kind of morphed into that being the thing that I focused my initial time on. Uh, I had experience of, of leading on a, working on a school over at Stratford. And, and this was, this was a you know, project that was hugely important to the business. Even in those days, it was intended that we would apply to become the academy sponsor, never something we'd done before, but you know, we had a, obviously interest in, in making it the best, the best it could be. And, and so I started working on that. Um, and I just, it was it was great to be in this environment where you know when i joined and said okay well how do we make this the best school in the borough everyone engaged in that conversation rather than you know rather than rubbishing it and i think it was just that moment of finding that affinity of of people who not through any kind of arrogance or 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 personal gain but just got out of bed in the morning to do great things couldn't didn't always achieve it but that was the starting premise and I, and I really just thrived and enjoyed that environment in those early days and it was something that I, you know, it was a real counterpoint to perhaps where I'd been a few years earlier and and yeah that's where I spent my first at least year of, of, of my career at Argent. Just I mean you mentioned then about about confidence arrogance I've got to, I've got to ask because I think you know, this, this is to anyone listening this this might sound quite unfamiliar you're, you're likely still you're in your late twenties at this at this point, and you're talking about sort of 
big sort of bold decision about making this the school the best the best in the borough you know sort of not not settling sort of mediocrity how much of that is is tom the confidence you've got in terms of what you can do and how much is that the environment that you're involved in yeah it's a good question i mean uh, it's funny i'm i'll answer from a personal perspective first of all but i in in a strange way i don't i don't characterize it myself as confidence It, it is something that i've just always had this this view that if you're going to do something why would you not try and do it to the best you can um, and it's a very you know cliched thing that ki- parents say to kids you know you did your best but but I think that you know for me in my working career I've the enjoyment I've created is when things have been tough things have been hard and you've but you've persisted and you've kept at it and and you know there are very few things that are unachievable when you you work in a high-performing environment surrounded by great people who support you but also you have you know you have a can-do attitude and you and you want to be you want the thing that you're working on to be great and uh, because why wouldn't you so it, it, it's strange I, I don't see it. It, it it's definitely part of me I don't see it you know it's, of course it is pretty much the dictionary definition of confidence but I I, I don't characterize it myself as confidence um, and I certainly see that there was you know there were, the, the culture of Argent helped bring that out of me um, as you say, you certainly, you know, particularly in the industry work we work in, you you can't do that on your own. You have to do that as part of a, a team that you know you can't be the only person who feels like that um, because it will never work clearly. So, Tom, if we take a chance now to, to look back, there's been two big transitions now in uh, in this career so far: chartered architect to project manager, project manager to development manager. Of those two transitions, which was the steeper learning curve? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, not something I've ever considered until just now. So I'd probably say to from architect to project manager, I mean, they, they don't do a book on development management to my knowledge. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but look, I think I think that, the, the, you know, the, the very fact that I felt the need to walk into Waterstones and, and buy a book kind of shows you, I, I, I guess I was aware, but it, it was not just changing role. It was actually changing change of culture. Um, you know, I had to go buy a new wardrobe. I had to commute to a different to, to sort of a completely different part of the city and I was now in the city. So I think that it, it, it was less about the role and more about the, the kind of change of, of culture from, a, from spending the last eight, eight years in, in kind of a very relaxed, creative environment of architects' offices, which I really enjoyed. But, you know, taking that deliberate step away from that and almost sort of changing your persona uh, to suit, I think that, you know, that was in a way the biggest, the biggest change there. You know, I like to do a bit of sort of background, don't you? I like to do a little, a little bit of digging. <laughs> and I spoke to one of your colleagues in one of those earliest days with Argent. And I asked them what was their first impression of Tom. And this is this is obviously quite quite similar to what you mentioned about preconceived ideas. They mentioned, right, well, here comes another another project manager. But what they what struck them very, very early on was this was someone who was very, very precious about the design, look, the feel of these buildings. Of course, you know, I, I can I can understand where that comes from, sort of given your architectural sort of roots. But what they went on to say was that you very quickly learned that this was only one aspect of the successful development and that you needed to manage uh, and master all the facets of development to be successful. And I think that gives me a really nice sort of segue now because we know where this career goes to. We know how successful you ha- you have been in the nine years you've been at Argent so far. Let's talk about the the next sort of pivotal moments 
for your time at Argent and and tell us a bit more about what that was. Sure. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to distract my brain from from trying to work out who it was. But uh, the um, I mean, I guess the first thing I'd say, which is quite interesting, just the, around the comment they made, um, I was on a, a panel last week speaking about the future of office space in the context of what our cities are going to be like post pandemic. And, you know, I, I think one of the things we were talking about was that the with given the working from home culture and flexible working you know the office space of the future need to offer a compelling reason for people to turn up and actually i started talking to our, our team internally about the logical conclusion of that conversation is that our briefs have to now focus not on how much floor space so much as what do we want these buildings to make people feel when they turn up you know i think an argent has in my mind always been very good at that perhaps sometimes accidentally but you know that moment hit me when i arrived at granary square of this place feels amazing. I mean, interesting. There was none of the people there that, that people would associate it with the, with the place now. The, the children playing in the fountains, the people eating, eating in the restaurants, and the students kind of walking through the square. Uh, but but it just had that sense of making me feel joyous and generous. And and I think you know, that's actually quite an interesting point that I think we're now going full circle as a business and making sure we focus on that uh, as as a, as, a, as how we deliver buildings in the future and place in the future. But how is it going to make people feel? Uh, and to your question about the, the next the next moment for me. So I, at this point, I, after the, the school, I started working on the, on the gas holders building. I had a link to that in the past. My first kind of job post university at Wilkinson Air, I was part of the competition team for that back in 2004, I think it was. So I started working on that. And, you know, actually you talk about ebbs and flows, you know, the, the buildings projects take a long time I mean that from start to finish that project was probably five six years um, and of course I was several years into my Argent career at this point and we were into the getting procuring the building and delivering the building and you know whilst uh, and I was thoroughly enjoying that and being part of the evolution of King's Cross um, and kind of de delivering as a residential development manager at that stage um, and I, I started uh, Argent related was, was had just been formed in 2015 this probably was and we just just won the Tottenham Hale project and I started being you know I was asked to join a few meetings to sort of brainstorm some ideas for it and as time went on that evolved to me spending about 50% of my time on that and 50% of my time on, on the gas holders and then, and then the kind of moment came where I was asked you know would you like to, to lead that project um, and I my response was well did you have a job description um, purely because I, I very much cared about the business and cared about our outcomes and wanted us to be great and I you know, wanted to to see, you know, make, make sure that I could do this job and that, that I could succeed in it. Um, and of course, so I was given a job description, I read it and, and you know, it was it was far above my capabilities. It was, you know, two thirds of the job description I was, I, I'd never done before and had no experience in. Um, a lot of it focused around 360 degree leadership, around fundraising, financing. And I remember very clearly having a conversation with the sort of senior members of the Argent related board and saying, yeah, look, uh, thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'd, I'd be delighted to to give this a go. But you know, I just you need to be clear with you that there's large portions of this job description that I've I have no experience in. Um, you know, I'm confident I can learn quickly, and that you know I won't make make the same mistake twice. But I I I will make some mistakes along the way, and you know I'll need some support for that. And I guess in a way, you know, that sort of, that harks back to the to the decisions around taking a job that I had no, you know, into project management that had no real idea what it entailed and, and kind of being okay with with the idea of failure um, and being open and honest about it and actually 
just putting your best foot forward. And as I said before, I certainly don't see it as, as confidence. I wasn't at all confident that I could be a fantastic at that job. But I, you know, I was confident that I, with the people around me that if I had the right support, I could I could succeed in the business. The business um, you know, would get a lot of value out of it. There's one thing that that I am curious about. How risky was that move, leaving behind you know the notoriety, you know the security maybe of of King's Cross being you know the crown jewels of Argent, and then moving to to their next scheme. Again, I mean, it's you know. It's, sounds strange maybe in reflection but it's, it's, that's just not something that that crossed my mind at the time and I, th- I think this is quite a um you know obviously your question about risk there is around my own personal development you know how risky was it for me as an individual to take away from step away from the perceived safety net of king's cross into the, this area and and i guess you know i think i've, I've noticed this over the years as as my com- career developed that often people assume that successful people are, are driven by one thing and one thing only and that's self-progression and and you know they make decisions purely based on on what is the best thing for them and they're driven by this absolute desire to get to the very very top and and will do anything you know move anything in the way to get there and and you know i guess all i can say is that, that that's certainly never been me i I've, i am ambitious of course i am and i want to do great things but i'm more ambitious for the for the, for the things i work on maybe and than, than purely out of a self a self-drive and I think that you know I'm, I'm I've learned over the years I'm very comfortable being a leader and I'm also very comfortable being being led by great people and you know I, I think this was one of those moments where I was asked to do something there was a you know it was an exciting new phase for the business and you know the bit it was for the good of the business that someone someone took this on and I, I think it was wasn't something that crossed my mind about about what, how this affected my own personal progression so just maybe for the audience's sort of sake, I think I, I just wanted to emphasise maybe just how how big a transition this was then with regards to the Tottenham Hale. And others have described this as, as being a real breakout moment then for, for you in terms of your career. And this is the reasons why they said it is a notoriously difficult area to have, to have got planning in. It's loaded with huge political um, uh, influences often not not always sort of in agreement and of course you're now dealing with related uh, Argent's new new partner based in New York and sort of the the, the context I'd spoken to had had said that you really shone as someone who could get things done without the support of the partners and you've got gears that others just simply didn't and I, I wanted to sort of follow follow that up then really with a, with a question about that leadership and about and about these gears because Overnight, you've gone from being one of a team to leading this team. And I wanted to ask about sort of how you made that transition and how have you made that successful transition? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I, I th- you know, I th- obviously, this is all answered with hindsight, but which you don't have the benefit of the, at the time. But look, I mean, when you start these processes, you know, by the very nature of real estate projects, they, they, they start small and they grow. So, we, you know, we were a team of, three including myself when we when i took over as the leader of tottenham hale and there whilst i was technically the leader of that that team you know we we all had very different skill sets we were very complimentary each other we enjoyed the challenge and we spent many hours you know locked in rooms disagreeing with each other and uh, you know thoroughly enjoyed that process and and i think you know so whilst I, I i was i was the leader you know actually i was very well supported by 
friends and colleagues around me who, who, and we had, you know, one goal again, which was to make it the greatest development we could. So, so I think, you know, in that sense, that sort of answers your question about how, how do you start making that transition? I mean, in, in, in when it got up to its full steam, Tottenham Hale probably had a team of 25 or more on it. But at that stage, you know, we were in a more established leadership position. But for that initial transition, it was actually quite a small, a small team. And I think, you know, actually just your kind of core values of honesty, integrity and belief and actually enjoyment and setting out to enjoy the journey, you know, with with those people is, 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 a, is a great starting point for anyone um, on those those journeys. But I think also, you know, what I did learn was that that didn't come without its toll. I mean, we've talked a bit about how much I naturally want things to be as good as they can be. And I think you mentioned the political position. You know, that was the probably the first time in my career where increasingly big decisions that affected the, the success of a project were were, were outside of my control. Um, and I found that very, very difficult to deal with. Um, and I, t- I wore that responsibility very heavily. And, and, you know, I don't mind saying to the point where I, I made myself physically ill from it. I, you know, there were things going on in my personal life at the time as well. You know, and, and I felt like the, the project was increasingly drifting out of our control. And, you know, I, I started feeling quite unwell. And you know, being a very logical person, I sort of went through all the checks. There must be something physically wrong with me. And of course, it wasn't until I accepted that this was a, a, a mental issue. And, and as a result of stress that, that I started that journey of, of recovery and rejuvenation. And I think that, you know, you learn a huge amount from those processes. But actually, the, 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 the Tom that speaks to you today is very different to the one that was joined Argent almost 10 years ago. And, and the key difference there is, is, is kind of acceptance and embracing of change. You know, I think that the world we work in is, is a very uncertain one. And you know, the at the start of my career, I, I would get very frustrated and unsettled by change, and I would I would plan out the process, and I would set out, you know, how we were going to get from A to B, and I would make sure that either either kind of following or being dragged, everyone kind of went along that process, and and uh, you know, I think that that is not the way to lead teams, and and actually, I you know, I've learned to embrace change, and 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 you know, often now it's nice to look back at those moments where you felt like something had gone horribly wrong and, you know, wasn't that the best thing that ever happened to this project. So, you know, I think it, it is certainly something that I've learned with experience. And, you know, I think it, it's important to, to handle those moments calmly with the team as well to, because things will never go exactly as you plan. So let me just maybe play something back to you about, about what you said about sort of what people perceive about, about leaders and about how it's their aspiration to to always sort of rise to the top. We know from the intro that you're now partner and head of Argent Related, sorry, head of residential for Argent Related. Tell me a bit more about sort of how how that came about and maybe sort of what what that meant you had to, to do or to change in order to, to be uh, successful in that. Yeah, I think, you know, I was right back at the beginning, I talked about when I was working in the architects firm and I was kind of interested in where the decisions were coming from further up the chain in terms of client briefs. Um, and I guess there's a similar parallel there. You know, I, I, uh, you know, at this point was extremely committed to the success of Argent and Argent related as a business. I was you know, enjoying the journey. We'd managed to get through the planning permission on Tottenham Hale and we were now delivering that. And I was starting to spend some time on, on Brent Cross town. Um, and so the, the sort of discussion about, you know, the, 
becoming a partner um you know it was a very rewarding one in the sense of at this point probably eight or nine years worth of you know quite frankly very hard work yeah and, and through through lots of moments where you 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 question is it is it is it worth it and you know actually as i said it, it wasn't about achieving the thing that you set out to achieve from day one but actually more about the 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 recognition of of your ability to add something to the very top of the business and i think you know that was the that was for me the most satisfying part of it was you know people who i very much respected and who had a you know huge amount of experience in in the industry acknowledging the the, the what i had to give to the top of the business and so I, I think that was you know that was a rewarding moment does it change how you are i think i think it does but i do think it's you know it's it's very important and again going back to what i said at the very beginning to remember all those moments how 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 when you've been on the receiving end of of things through your career how that's made you feel the good the good and the bad and i think now that realization that you're now in that position to to affect that to others and that's a really empower, empowering moment where you know it's quite hard i i found it quite hard to think of yourself as a very senior person but actually once you kind of get over that point and you realize that you now have this amazing power to to positively affect all of your colleagues and you know who are many of whom are friends of yours in a really positive way is a really empowering position is it one filled with sort of bear traps though I mean, you you gave you, know, you sort of very honestly sort of spoke about sort of the influence that sort of people had on you at the very early stage of your career, and I can I can definitely sort of echo that, and we're sure everyone in the audience can as well. Why it, there must be something about when you when you ascend to this particular sort of level of management that it's easy to be sort of you know to fall into that type of manager or that type of leader. You know, what what do you think you did in order to try and avoid that? I actually think the easiest thing to do is to fall into someone who tries to please everyone. You know, if you if you start from a position of what I've just said about you, you care about the impact you're having on others, then actually the easiest thing to do is to fall into a position where you want to please, please try and please everyone all of the time. And you know, as the saying goes, that's not possible. I'd like to think, I mean, I'm probably not the best place to answer this, but you know, I'd like to think that actually the way I've handled it is to just stay as I've always been, to, you know, be open and honest, tell people if I disagree with stuff, tell people if I, if, if I think they've done something great or if I think they could have done this better, be open to challenge and feedback about myself um, and fundamentally make sure everyone knows that really the main thing I care about is the, that we enjoy the journey and that the, at the end of it, we stand back and do something we're really proud of. You know, as I said, you're, ju- you're judged by, you know, we, li- we work in an amazing industry where we're so fortunate to be able to produce things that other people enjoy for generations and that that is really the litmus test of whether you did a good job um and of course as long as people other everyone enjoyed the journey along the way so i think all you can all you can ask of yourself you know there are difficult decisions to be made but all you can ask of yourself and all anyone can ever ask of you is that you're you're open you're honest and you act with integrity you know at all times um and everything else you know sometimes there are decisions there that have to be made that are not easy but that is the very definition of the role so once more, this is something that came came back from my research, and they were described sort of one of Tom's strengths as, as having the ability to be very self aware and to constantly look at sort of how he is behaving and how and how his demeanor is perceived, and constantly then either whether it's checking himself or sort of adapting in order to get the most successful outcome. Now that yeah, you know, that's that's obviously quite a talent, isn't it? 
And, and, I, and I wanted to ask you, really, is that something that you've learned? And if so, what's the name of the book? Or is that <laughs> something that you know, is a natural ability? I, to be honest, it's very hard to say whether, I mean, of, co- of course, everything in life is a combination of nature and nurture, you know, and it's very hard to distinguish between the two. I, I'm sure most of this is learned. Um, but I, I think actually, you know, it comes back to that, you know, the, as a as a, my transition to becoming a leader, um, I've, I've, I've always been very conscious about how other leaders have treated me in the past, what's made me feel good, what's made me feel bad, without, without kind of letting that lead decision making, you know, actually decision making is, is made at a, a kind of a, a more business level, but actually how you, what you're talking about is how, how you hold yourself, how you how you act in front of people, how, you know, how they perceive you as a person and, you know, away from anything to do with business, so kind of being a person who acts with integrity and honesty and openness for me is a kind of non-negotiable. Um, that isn't something that needs to be put on the CV. It, it should just be there. And it, you know, it underpins everything. It, it makes, it makes the tough decision-making easier to communicate because people hopefully trust that you're, you're, you're being, you know, you, you are, you are speaking the truth to them and you are, you are involving them in, in giving the reasons behind the decisions that have been made. Well, um, I'm sure you've reflected on, on this as well, but it, it's it's incredible, isn't it? The the impact that people or circumstances that feel very, very negative to us in the moment have such profound impacts in terms of to the rest of our careers. Then. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that, you know, again, another cliche, but um, they're cliches for a reason, I guess. But it's, it's easy to say that you know you learn you learn a lot from your mistakes, but but you absolutely do. I mean, it's it's kind of it, I think one of the best processes we've been through as a business over the last few years that we've been starting to work on the Argent related portfolio is is really being quite critical with ourselves about what we could have done better at Kings Cross. You know, we're we're all very proud of what's been achieved there, and I think it would have been easy to sort of brush off the negatives, but actually. How do you continually improve if you don't, if you're not able to be critical to yourself? And I think, you know, actually learning from the things that didn't go well, and particularly when it when that is a personal situation that makes you, that has a very negative impact on your feelings, you know, as a human. And I, you know, I think that is actually not as easy to bounce back from. But I think, you know, things you've talked a lot about ebbs and flows, and you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in karma. I'm a big believer in kind of, you know, actually if those with the right intentions ultimately rise to the top i know i appreciate there's a lot of evidence that that may not be the case but you know that's certainly how i've always set my stall out and i feel like with not it's not about holding grudges or anything like that but actually just remembering how certain moments made you feel in a negative sense and remembering to not inadvertently make other people people feel the same way is very important um because you know a lot of a lot of leadership is, is is the unintended consequences. A lot of leadership is about not the things that you said, but the things that you didn't say, and the things that you know people feel pe- people feel voids where their leaders leave them, um, and you know, those voids will be filled by the by people with their own you know how they're feeling at the time. So it's just kind of trying to be aware of those unintended consequences. I think. Honest now, we've we spent a long time looking sort of backwards. I'm ex- I should say I'm expecting a rather profound answer now here, as of having commented <laughs> on your on your uh, on your abilities then for sort of self reflection. What have you next to learn? Oh blimey! <laughs> I think you're constantly learning about 
you know how to manage the balance of of life I, I feel that's the thing I'm poorest at you know I think there's certainly been moments where I've felt like I'm walking a tightrope and doing neither side of it very well and I think actually the thing I'm the thing I mostly to learn is probably being better at being in the present you know I think sometimes you fill your life with all the, the stuff around you and there's you know you have pressures from all angles and um, personal life kids work you know, everything else and actually just remembering to be in the present and you know remembering to not look too far, too far ahead and enjoy the moment I think is, is is really important and what do you want to next achieve what do I want to next achieve uh, I joined Argent in 2012 and in some ways arguably that was right at the cusp of when King's Cross became this sort of this almost no-brainer of a development you know in the, in the years before then from conversations I've had with others you know there was very much a feeling of this this won't work this won't be successful it won't be the place that 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 the vision is set out to achieve um, and I guess the you know now I am heavily involved in, in Brent Cross Town and leading the first phase of development there you know I think then there's the opportunity there to to really do it from the start on a large scale um, and I think that's yeah that's what I'm looking forward to achieving and, and, and as a as part of a big team and actually you know, bringing that to the moment where everyone says well well of course that you know that was going to work it's it, it's an incredible place okay and then about success i wanted to ask has your opinion of success changed over time yes so i think you know particularly over the last year and a half i think you start to realize more what the attributes you value in yourself the attributes you value in your colleagues and your teammates and your consultants and you know, the, everyone you're involved with and you know i think certainly as i've as i've matured in many ways less and less that becomes about specific knowledge um you know, knowledge can be learned and and the best people learn stuff very quickly it's actually the kind of non-negotiables of of approach and attitude and i think particularly when you sit at a you know the, a, a, as, the, as the client to to almost every person in the in the process you know it is absolutely required of you to set that tone of of belief and passion and drive and uh, understanding and I, I think you know that that is success is actually an approach really and and the journey um which it is of course about the outcome but it's actually you are much more likely to achieve and be successful in the outcome if you have the right approach on the journey and that includes being you know accepting a failure and as i said learning from from the things that didn't go well well tom that brings us to i think to a really really nice sort of point um uh, in our recording so thank you very very much for for joining me i've really really enjoyed listening and I've, and i have no doubt our audience is going to really benefit them from sort of uh, what you've learned and what's gone right and what's got, what's gone wrong throughout that career so thank you very much for sharing it thank you nick i've enjoyed it and thanks for making me relive some of the happy accidents along the years it's been uh, it's been good excellent stuff mate all right all the best thank you bye The Urban Land Institute is the oldest and largest network of cross-disciplinary real estate and land use experts in the world, with more than 45,000 global members. The ULI's ethos of personal development makes them an ideal collaborator on our podcast, and we encourage our listeners to learn more and become members by signing up at uli.org forward slash join, quoting the promo code ACRE. Thank you for listening.